0: My name is Dan Hund, I haven't talked to my son since March 27, 2018, and I haven't talked to my daughter since March 2019, and this is my story.
1: In this episode of Your Double Podcast, we are speaking to Dan Hunt, a left-behind parent from Seattle, United States. We have made this conversation with him into three parts as we spoke for more than 12 hours on various topics related to parental alienation. Now, Dan's situation is pretty unique and you will see soon enough that he has the ability to verbalize and explain what he had gone through very well. With that said, The stories that he has told us explain deeply about the things that are mentioned by the experts that we have spoken to before in this podcast. I implore you to listen and try to relate it back to the things mentioned in our previous episodes with the experts, as you will see obvious signs of narcissistic behavior, manipulation gaslighting, controlling behavior, alienation, and all that happening while being married and so much more. In the first episode of this three-part series with Dan, we talk about everything that led to his divorce and separation. We go into the details of every event that resulted in his ex-wife getting pregnant, how he was controlled through his relationship with her, and how does it feel to be alienated while you are still being married. If you notice, we have purposely marked this episode as explicit as we do go into some adult themes throughout this episode. For those of you who are younger than 18 years old or a minor I strongly suggest that you get the guidance of someone knowledgeable if you're not sure about the things that we are talking about today Now without further ado let's get into the episode Sometimes as a parent it's hard to say everything that you want to say in one go so I intend for this episode to go for a few hours or as long as you need and we will chop it out to be multiple parts. All I want you to do is explain your situation and what exactly happened. We will make sure that we redact things if there are any sensitive information that we need to remove. With that said then, I know you might not have many places to talk about your story and I want you to make sure that you talk to me as if I'm your friend and let your actual story and emotions show
0: yeah oh man thank you thank you because it's it is very real and you find yourself as a parent you sometimes just vomiting these this this trauma that you build up in you to everybody around you and like people you know acquaintances
2: and friends and whatnot and a
0: lot of times they don't understand it they 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 get it, but they truly don't, right? Like it's,
2: it, uh, it, it's, like a, it
0: is, it's like a silent epidemic.
1: Yeah, exactly. As most people have no clue, even when their friends or their colleagues might be going through similar situation, as most, especially guys, don't really talk about these issues with their friends or family and all that. How was it for you when you talked to your friends and family?
0: Yeah, I mean, one that just kind of stands out in like recent memory was a couple years ago. There was a buddy, a buddy of mine who, um, you know, he I talked to him, you know, at time at times about it. You know, sometimes when I was having days where it just I was struggling with it, and and I'm talking to him about it, and he, I, you could tell that he doesn't quite know what to say, right? Like he's just Saying, oh, that must be hard.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry. And he says, he says, well, maybe God didn't want you to have your kids in your life. And
0: like that threw me back a little bit. I just kind of went with it, acted like it didn't affect me. But he probably said that just because because he was religious. I'm not religious. Um, but maybe because he just thought that like, maybe that's the best thing to say. Cause he kind of wants to just not talk about it and come up with a quick solution just to move
2: on past the conversation because he just doesn't get it
0: right. But that I also, that also hurt quite a bit, you know, cause it's, it's not that God didn't want kids in my life. It's that the kids were alienated out of my life. Um, my daughter specifically, from early on, even before she was ever born, you know?
1: I firmly believe God or the universe or whatever that is bigger than us did not want this for you as no parent should suffer without their kids. With that said, let's go through your whole story from the beginning. Sounds good?
0: Okay. Well, to go back, I was, I was 22, um, living in Seattle. I had moved up, from, moved up to Seattle when i was 18 from southern colorado i was born in um i was born in Jara, colorado Bis- basically raised in the southwest We're very small town you know the town i grew up in was 900 people and so i mean we it was just, i was very i was very naive i was very small town and um when i turned 18 i met this girl that uh that um yeah, she was a waitress and she uh wanted to move to Seattle and she had lived in Bellingham before and she was older than me. That's kind of a theme in my life is always older women, but, um, she wanted to move up to Seattle. We were hooking up when it came time for her to move. She asked me if I wanted to go with her. So I went with her and we road tripped up to Seattle and stayed up there for a few days longer than I was originally going to stay. And I kind of fell in love with it. I ended up staying. We ended up splitting up, you know, a couple months later. And I did the typical Seattle thing when people out of Seattle move up there. I, I looked, ironically, looked in the back of the, the Stranger newspaper, which was this weekly newspaper in Seattle um, that uh, that covered news, arts, music you know, classifieds and whatnot. And in the classifieds, there was somebody looking for a drummer. It was this guy looking for a drummer for a punk band. And, and, uh, we met, we rehearsed, became a band. I was in that band ended up, um, band ended up splitting up. Of course the typical, you know, when I was like, you know, 19, 20 at this time met this girl, Lisa,
2: who was the first
0: girl I ever, like, she was my, the first girl I ever fell in love with. I joined another band from with previous member from the other one. And we started a band that, uh, took off pretty well. You know, we were, uh, we we're a band that like, we didn't drink. We, we only played all ages venues, um, refused to play any 21 and over. Like it was always about the music and, uh, one of the girls that in the music scene said the stranger is looking for somebody to come in and um, basically stick, uh, put stickers on envelopes to do mail outs. And so I went up to the to the paper and and they offered me like a part time position to come in and basically lick stamps you know, it was the best way to put it. Simple job, right? So I'd just go, I'd get put into the conference room, get a stack of envelopes next on to the left of me and a stack of uh, sticky back, you know, ad- address labels on the right. And I just put them on, on the envelopes. That was my job. And the paper covered music a ton. It had a huge music section. <sighs> At this time, I was also, I mean, I'm, I'm a small town naive kid, right? Like a, I am very malleable. Like uh, very impressionable, I guess is a good word, and or good description. And so, I'm in there sticking labels on these envelopes, doing my thing. And this woman comes in, who's the associate publisher. She uh, fully tattooed. Um, I had heard that she had worked at Zoo Records and BMG Records and RCA Records and. And she had moved up from San Francisco to to and it was running the paper and basically running the paper.
2: And um, she was very intimidating.
0: And the first time I, you know, this was the first meeting of of my ex. Basically, I looked at her. You know, she came into the conference room. I looked at her. I go, "What, w- what do you? What would you like me to do with the rest of these?" these um these uh labels and she didn't say a word to me pulled them out of my hand
2: and dropped them in the trash and said that and
0: then walked away I was kind of intrigued like it was uh it was just an intro like I was just like this person's um like she just she was very she was intimidating. And it kind of shook me a little bit. And, uh, and to me, I think that's a, that right there was, is, a, is a very good example of the multiple things that have happened over the years with her.
1: Yeah, exactly. I would have been super annoyed and pissed off if someone does that to me. With that said, I can kind of see the character traits of someone who does that and how that can lead to problems later if you're in a relationship with them. But let's not jump ahead. What happened after that?
0: You know, a couple of months go by. I go in there. I'm uh I'm just going in there part-time doing this this label thing. And uh, my girlfriend and I end up breaking up. And at this time and we end up breaking up, she ends up splitting up with me because I'm just playing shows and, and having fun. And like my relationship with her wasn't at the forefront of my mind. And um even though I I loved her very very much, and uh, she broke up with me, and it uh, it destroyed me. I um like it, I was it was the first time ever having a broken heart, and it it uh, it threw me for a loop. Life goes on. My ex, you know, associate publisher, says that, that there's a job opening as for her being for her needing a personal assistant and an advertising coordinator, and she told, you know, I, I'm told that I should apply. So I applied for the position, and it's between me and this girl, uh, Katrina. She was way more qualified for the job than I than I was. She worked at a record store in West Seattle. Like, she, she did the office work for them, too. Like, she was, she is the one who should have taken that job, but she didn't she wasn't, she didn't get the job because she wasn't this cute young guy, you know, uh, applying for the position. She was a, she was a pretty girl that was a threat and that's why she didn't get hired. So I take, I take the position and, uh, this is, this is, uh, this is January, February, I, I believe of, of, uh, 2000. And so I take the position. I'm right. her, I become her assistant and, uh, she starts giving me doing like favors for me. Like when we were playing a show, I'd, I'd, uh, tell her what shows we were playing. And if there was ended up, she was, she, if there was dead space in the paper, meaning that, um, when you do the layout of a, of a, of a paper like that, there's lots of ads. It's a very ad based newspaper. And so when you move the ads around and they're placed in different sections, you sometimes end up with dead space. And so you want the paper to look full, look like it's you know full of ads. It's back before digital. Right. And so my roommate band house that I was living in at Ballard, I would advertise our basement shows in the weekly newspaper. And it was basically kind of her way of like one being nice, but also kind of like getting me kind of wrapped around her finger. And so, few months go by and, uh, you know, a couple more months. And she, uh, she tells me, you know, I think I'd only been working on this paper for four or five months at this time. And she tells me, um, uh, meet us, uh, meet us up at, uh, the Seawolf, uh, after work, you know, it's a Friday night. And so we go, we go to the bar after work for drinks, you know, I'm 21 or 22 at this time. and. uh we're all sitting at the table. We're all getting really drunk.
2: Um, so we're all sitting around the table drinking,
0: and she tells me, and this is all co—these are all coworkers at the table. And you—you you gotta remember this: this woman ruled with intimidation. Um so we're all sitting at this bar, we're all sitting at this table at the bar, and uh she tells me, Go over and kiss Julie. I'm afraid to say no, so I go over and kiss Julie, and I'm right. Like, I'm a guy too. Go, go over and kiss Julia. She goes, Go over and kiss Kevin. I go over and I and I kiss Kevin, which was uh a friend of hers. Um that she worked with in the same office. She goes, go over and kiss uh, Catherine, I think was her name. I go over and kiss Catherine.
2: And and she goes, come over and kiss me. And I
0: go over and kiss her. And I'm like this boy toy, basically getting told what to do. If I was a 30-year-old man, I would have never done that. But I was 22. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be, you know, like. I was always up for being challenged, like challenged or whatnot. And so, and I was, and I was also afraid to say no to her. And, uh, she tells me that you're coming home with me.
2: I'm thinking to myself, I don't like, I don't want to go home with, and I, I didn't say anything. And so we, we leave the bar.
0: She tells me my car's over there you're coming. And so I go with her and I'm just kind of hoping at the back of my mind that like okay hopefully maybe this will just kind of like deaden out and we won't do anything. We'll just get back to her place and and not hook up. I go to her place. I don't remember much,
2: but what I do remember is ending up in her bed. Uh to be real to I'm going to be really really um descriptive here is uh she tells me, I can't get pregnant. Just come.
0: And I and I go, and I remember questioning her one more time, and, I, and she said, I can't get pregnant. Just come, just come. And so I do, right? I wake up the next morning,
2: and uh, she tells me, here's 20 bucks. Stuff's 20 bucks in my pocket. I says, call a cab and you're not to mention this at work. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Okay.
0: I call a cab, you know, I'm, I'm, I, my first thought was when I woke up was, Oh my God,
2: I just slept with my boss. And
0: then she had stuffed the 20 bucks in my pocket and told me to call a cab. And so I got up, um, called the cab, took it all the way back out to Ballard. I didn't really, I didn't have cash, any cash on me. And I, this was, I think before, no, this wasn't before cards, but the um, cab didn't take cards. And so he dropped me off at like the bat, like market street on ba- in Ballard. And I ended up having to walk like eight blocks
2: home. Uh, I
1: I felt rotten. For those of you who are listening, we took a bit of a break here, and I just want to add a note here. Whatever happened here, by any 2021 modern standards, is sexual harassment and can be considered as rape, as his boss used a power to intimidate him to do things that he didn't want to. With that said, I will let you guys listen to the rest of the conversation before I make more comments on this. Hey, Dan, I'm sorry that you were treated like that, but let's continue. Tell me what happened next.
2: So, <clears throat> I get back, you know,
0: work goes on. I'm back, you know, back to the life of, you know, working at the paper, you know, living in a roommate house. and. uh she wants to keep seeing me in the evenings. She's wanting me to basically come over and and bang her, and uh, not say anything at work. That goes on for a few weeks. One uh, night she says, "I need to talk to you after work. I need you. Um, like we need to, We need to talk right after work. Um, meet me at my car in the parking lot,
2: and." Uh, and I'll meet I'll, you know I'll see you there at six. And so we go to her car.
0: She uh we're talking. She's sitting in her in her driver's seat, door open. Um, I'm just kind of standing there just while we're talking. Because I'm, you know, at this time I was telling her, like, I don't this doesn't feel right. Like I, you know, I don't feel or don't feel like this is a what we're doing is right.
2: And she goes, Well, I'm pregnant. And I, I don't remember what I said,
0: but I remember what she said. And when she had told me she was pregnant, I was scared, man. Like I, I started crying. I said, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. I'm not, I'm not ready for this. Like, and then that, and I truly wasn't ready to be a dad I had thought that she couldn't get pregnant. I, I knew a guy that she had dated before who um, she had a miscarriage with and it was because supposedly that she couldn't get pregnant. Um, but she's telling me she can't get pregnant. She, that she's telling me she's pregnant. I started crying and she said, well, I certainly wasn't expecting my boyfriend to be reacting like
2: this with this news." And I,
0: I'm thinking to myself, since when am I your boyfriend, number one? Number two, oh my God, the levels of fucked up in, in this situation is incredible. She's my boss. She's pregnant. Nobody knows, at, nobody knows at work that, that she is sleeping with this guy that's 14 years younger than her. She's 38 and I was 22, 23. You know it was very messed up, and so I went back to my apartment and she went back to her house and just to back up, I'm afraid to tell my roommates what's what my bandmates my roommates what's going on, and at this time, you know band wise like my I wasn't even putting much time into being in a being in the band like i I was the least talented musician in the band and um, it was definitely pulling, dragging them down. And uh, so <clears throat> I kept it to myself and, uh, you know, at work, you know, now I'm now forming this like relationship with her and uh, she's telling me that um, your friends, your, your band, like, you should just quit your band and your friends sound like assholes. Cause I would be talking to her about, you know, friend issues and band issues. And she, you know, she was telling me that, you know, you should, you should just get a, get an apartment. You should just, you know, here's money to go put a down payment on an apartment. And so that's what I did. <clears throat> and then I didn't, you know, looking back now, I realized that
2: the, uh,
0: there were some things that she was already planning out and putting out there to really derail me because, you know, now as a father, I could have, I was seen as a threat back at it. She, she, she convinces me and my friends don't care about me. She convinces me that I should quit my band. So I do. I get this apartment. That's a couple blocks away from the paper. It's a neighborhood away from where
2: she lives and, uh, work goes on. People at work are afraid to ask.
0: You know, who the dad is. They all suspect it's me, but because everybody's afraid of her, they're they're not uh, they're not uh, they're not saying anything because she was a very intimidating person.
1: Knowing about how people who work together do gossip, you know, office chats and so on, I'm pretty sure they all knew there's a high likelihood of you being the father. And that's messed up in many ways, if you ask me.
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe. But uh, she, um, so basically that's, you know, like we kept it quiet. So around summertime, June, July, I think is what it was. She, t- she says, well, we're, we're going to obviously probably end up living together. So you should just move out of your apartment and move into my house. My house is huge. I'm like, oh, okay. So I, I do what she says because you know I'm under her control now. You know, and so I do. And she asked me if I could if I could help maybe remodel the house or remodel the basement of her of her place. You know, in, on the weekends in the evenings. So that she could have the guy that's down, like renting the basement of her house, move out. And so I, I agree. I said yes. I'll I'll do that. And so I I leave my apartment. I give it to another coworker. Um, I
2: move into her place, and as soon as I moved in, she became
0: very domineering, very controlling. Um, we, and, and, and then I started kind of talking back. I started, I started kind of trying to stand up for myself and, uh, it was just constant arguing
2: all the time and, uh, September hits and like, it's, it,
0: it's the most uncomfortable life period i'm con- i'm controlled at work I'm controlled
2: af- by her after work i uh, she she we keep arguing and she tells me that that I'm to
0: sign papers that she she starts threatening that that I'm to sign papers to give up my rights to, to our, to, to, to our son or daughter. And I, um, I said, I don't know if I agree with that. And, uh, she starts threatening that if I don't sign,
2: if I don't sign papers, giving up my rights to her or to, or to our daughter, um, I, that, uh, that she'll take me for every dollar uh, I make and I'll never get to meet my daughter, ever. And and I, I'm blown away
0: by the, by the threat and it happened quite a few times. And we're at the point where I'm sleeping in another room, I'm sleeping on the couch, i I'm not talking to any of my friends that I had because she I was convinced that they didn't care about me she'd convinced me that they didn't care about me. She's telling me that it's time for me to time for me to find another job. it's time for me to quit and uh starts telling me she just wants me to go away
2: and so i um so, you know it's,
0: it's September, I end up leaving the paper. She makes it sound like to the rest of the paper convinces me to make it sound like I just want, I just, just just not for me, which in the fact, the fact was I absolutely loved my job. I loved working at the paper, but I, I had to quit. And so I think I just realized like, okay, maybe I'm just going to travel. So, so we like, uh, to me, I was thinking we need space she's, she, whether, you know, she's, the pregnancy is sound, look is looking healthy. It's sounding healthy. And so,
2: um, I, uh, I decide like, okay, well, uh,
0: maybe I'll just travel for a bit and give us some space. And, um, that's what I'm thinking in the back of my mind. And then, um, she, uh, she tells she, I, I come back, I come home and there's papers sitting on the coffee table. And she tells me, I want you to go away. I want you to sign those papers. I you no, or I want you to, she said, I want you to sign those papers and I want you to go away.
2: And I, uh, you know, this is a couple days after, after I officially, the last day at the paper. And so I, um, I, you know, depressed, I'm, I'm, I'm hurt, I'm confused. I, uh, I tell, I tell her if I sign these, you're never going to see me again. And, uh, I signed the papers. I I walk out the door and man, um, I put all my stuff out on the corner to give away,
0: and I uh, I would go to the train station and um, I bought a ticket to New York and figured you know it's a week long
2: train ride to New York. I'll, I'll just travel for a bit and uh, try to get my head and my head and, intact. And uh, I, um, Oh, let me back up. Let me back up. So before, before I had, before I had signed those papers, before I had left,
0: I signed, I signed those papers. I walked out the door and I needed money to travel. I had had some money saved up. And so I, uh, I reached out to TJ, one of the guys in the band that I was, you know, one of the, one of the band members. And he, uh, he, he, he said, let's, let's go meet for
2: coffee. So we meet for coffee. And I tell him what's going on. And,
0: you know, he's, he's, he was kind of, he was blown away um, by what was going on. And he, and he had also worked at the record industry, record store too, and knew, like, knew of her and knew what kind of person she was. And, uh, you know, I think he felt empathy for me being involved with her. And so, but I told him, I go, she, she wanted me to sign my rights away. And threatened that if I didn't sign my rights away to, to our daughter, that, um, that I'd never get to meet her and that she'd take me for every dollar that I make. And he was the only person that like, he was one of the only people in the last 20 years that was upfront and real. And he
2: said, you can't do that to your daughter. My sister, our dad, just walked
0: away and my sister is always looking for a father figure. You can't you can't do that to your daughter. I go, well, man, I'm in a position of of really not knowing what to do here. I mean, yeah, I signed papers and and but hopefully maybe things will turn around. And and, you know, things did change, but, uh, later on, and so he gave me a little bit of money from record sales and whatnot. I took that money and, um, I bought a ticket to New York and, um, cause it's a place I wanted to go to. I always wanted to travel to it, check it out. And so I went, uh, hopped the train, took, you know, got on the train, went, traveled, Got to New York City um, walked around, you know, checked out a bunch of different sites, stayed in a hostel um, just you know just trying to like piece together like what the hell happened in this last year doing that, I'm going up to the Columbia University, checking my email and i and this is this is about it's. I left Seattle in, in, I think the mid, mid September. And now it was like maybe mid October and I'm checking my email and I see this email from, from my ex and she sends me a photo in utero of our daughter. And she says,
2: this, this is your daughter. And I would really, she, this is your daughter. And I would really love to talk to you. And so, uh, I'm shocked. I'm stunned. I thought I'd never hear from her again. And, uh, I message her and I say, okay, when do you want to talk? And she says, I'm going to come to New York in, in a week with Kevin. He's on a work trip
0: and um, we're going to be staying at the Marriott in Times Square. She is out front in front of the Marriott. The time that she said she'd be there and you know, we were going to go out and have dinner. So this is where it's weird. Like we go up into, into the, uh, her room room that she's sharing with, you know, Kevin and a couple other people. They're not
2: there. They're out having dinner.
0: We had probably spoken maybe 20 words between, between meeting out front in front of the Marriott and going up into the room. We go up into the room and she starts taking off her clothes.
1: Yep, I know exactly what is happening. You are dealing with a classic narcissistic person who needs to get their control in whatever ways. In most parental alienation situation, the alienator will try to gain back control in any way possible and i guess it started way back when you first met her and this is just another version of it and for me as someone who have heard many many stories on parental alienation i can tell you that it's not uncommon for these things to happen
0: uh, no i totally get it so yeah it um, but you know that going back now so signing that that paper signing those those rights away The the threat of you'll never get to meet your daughter if you don't sign those papers. To me, that was the first sign of parental alienation. That was the first large blaring red flag that my blind eyes didn't see.
1: Yep. Most times you are being manipulated to the level that you are just blind to everything. Oftentimes it feels like you have no choice and you just have to follow what he or she says.
0: Yeah. Oh, exactly. Uh, complete, completely, completely. Like the, the, the masterful manipulation that, that she has done over the years, man, I, I got to hold it. I, I got to give her credit for her skill level. Cause her skill level is, is, is quite remarkable. Her manipulation skill level is it's sad. Number one, it's sad that somebody has to feel feels that they have to do that to, in order to get through life. And she, but she's really, really good at it. Um, you know, looking back in at, at that time, uh, with what I know now, with 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 what I wish I would have known then. You know, the, my first, my what I should have done then is is go seek out a lawyer, go ask for help, talk to Tim, tell him he was my boss what was going on. You know, I sh- I should have let it be known. I should have spoken up. About
1: it. Yep, absolutely. Well, as they say, we can only make sense of things retrospectively. So, I don't blame you for not knowing that back then. With that said, let's get back to what happened okay. next.
0: So, so we so we hook up and like then we clean up and then we go out and have dinner and uh we talk you know she's telling me she's scared she doesn't want she doesn't want to she doesn't want to raise a daughter on her own um you know can can we maybe talk tomorrow and just continue on and i say yeah let's let's talk tomorrow so we leave that night I decide to meet her in Central Park the next day. We meet, and she tells me the same thing you know she doesn't want to raise a daughter alone she uh, she's scared, which
2: her saying she was scared was a sliver of of real truth coming from her that was very rare the number of And and just to kind of broaden that a little bit, in the last 20 years of knowing her, her saying sorry for anything she's done has happened maybe three times in 20 years. So when her saying she was scared was, was, I think
0: was a sliver of truth coming out of her that was a very rare thing to see so she's telling me she's scared she uh she asked me to to come back and let's let's work it out and she'll promise not to be you know you know mean which she was she was very she's a very mean person, very domineering and so I said, okay, let me think about it i was gonna travel to Colorado and see family for a little bit. And, uh, and, um, we part ways. I tell her, I'll email her what, what my plans are. And so we, we part. She, uh, I stayed in New York for maybe another week and, uh, she flew back to Seattle. I traveled to Colorado and, you know, i my dad picks me up in Trinidad, Colorado, where he lives. And I stay with him a couple of days and you got to like, I tell my, talk to my dad with what, you know, tell him what's going on. And with my dad, um, in 20 years, I bet him and I haven't had a 15 minute conversation, you know, like, it's just, that's just how it is. He, uh, you know, it's, so we're talk, I'm t- talking to him about what's going, what's going on, what I'm into, and he tells me, why are you putting effort into something that wasn't meant to work out?
2: And he's right, you know? And I told him, but I go, but I've got to at least try. And he's like, okay, that was it.
0: That was the only advice he, did, he ever gave me about it. The situation my mom she didn't really didn't know what to say about it either we I actually didn't get to talk to her that much when I was there and so because they're sep- they're divorced live in just separate parts of of rural southern Colorado and so I go back to Seattle I pick her, uh she picks me up at the train station. She's really, you know, she's this is a couple of weeks later, and I can already tell she's even getting a little bit larger. And uh first thing we start talking about is is the pre- the election. And uh, who, you know, it was between Gore, Bush, and Nader. And I said, I said, I said, I'll probably vote for Nader. And then she just like lashes into me. Why would you vote for him? You're gonna take the vote away from Gore. But she was probably right, but you know, she it automatically just started with like telling me what I was doing wrong. And I'm just like, Oh fuck, what am I, what what am I into here? Okay. But I just let it pass. We go back to her place.
2: I settle back in, you know, it's, it's now November. Her mom comes up to visit and her mom is,
0: is a piece of work. Um, her mom, uh, says these little passive-aggressive things that were huge red flags that I didn't see back then. But um, she
2: says things like oh
0: you're here with my daughters ah, d- are my daughter-to-be I can't wait you know things like that and we just thought we were so weird.
1: You are mentioning something that I have noticed through the stories that we have featured on this episode. Normally, when alienation happens, the whole family is also gaslighted or even in on it, which means that your ex's mother or your ex mother in law is also someone who's pretty mean and narcissistic. Don't quote me on this, but I think if one of your parents or both have narcissistic tendencies, the daughter or the son have a high likelihood of being the same way. And that is just my personal opinion. In my,
0: my opinion of my ex wife, of, of- If she, her family of origin issues with her, with her, her, her issues come from family of origin and a very, very, um, unstable,
2: unhealthy bond with her mother. And,
0: um, it has played a significant role in my ex's life. Um, but back to Back to the,
2: you know, being back in Seattle, you know, she,
0: I was, she, when she wasn't there, I was always in the kitchen making dinner. I was always cleaning up the house. I was always like just taking care of things because I wasn't working. She's working. Just try, we're trying to talk, we're trying to find some peace. But as soon as her mom would come up to visit, because her mom would like come up, spend three, four days there leave for three, four days, come back for another three, four days, flying back and forth between Albuquerque and Seattle. And, um, and she, at the, she just had this way of making me feel like, um, I was this like sidekick to them is the best way to explain
2: it. And so life
0: just kind of goes on, right? it's january february i start working at a at a wood furniture place um making building uh dressers cuz i needed a job i i got it from through a friend
2: of a friend and um
0: it gets you know it it, it, it things are starting to seem somewhat normal her and i are, are like a, a relationship and you know, she had put it on thick too. She was super sweet, super
2: nice. You know, she, she, uh,
0: for, you know, most times, you know, like, but I think she was just, it was, it was all a, it was all a play. She was just, it was, it was a role she was trying to play that she just, it wasn't her. And so we, um, February 14th comes around and, Like I'm, I look back at it and I'm just trying, I think I was just trying to find some sort of normal, but um, I asked her to marry me on Valentine's day. And she says, yes, I think we should. And um, three days later, we're in the hospital and she's about to deliver. And
2: um, she, you know, I'm there,
0: her friend, Kevin, who's who's, uh, gay, uh super cool guy like i i um, i i talk i've been talking with him recently uh through Instagram, and we've been texting a little bit uh, i'll get back to i'll get to that later on but um he's there, and her mom's there and
2: <clears throat> we're you know she she ends up
0: having the baby and I remember the nurse telling me, "Congratulations on your new sister."
2: And I go, I go,
0: I go. No, that's my daughter. And she goes, "Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." And like, you know, this was this was after. Like, it wasn't the nurse that handed me. Our, my daughter. Like, she had. I. I. The day. The. the, the that day when the nurse handed me. My daughter and I looked into her eyes.
2: Man, that's something I'll never forget. Um, and then I just handed her,
0: you know, I handed her to Kathy to start nursing, and uh, I was, I was, I was scared to death. I was, I was scared to death. I was, I was also trying to in my head make the best of of a situation that, that, uh, that was very abnormal, very abnormal. You know, she was 14 years older than me. You know, I, I look young. I looked really young at that time. I mean, my old friend, Brandon, who's half Japanese who looked young as well. Also bandmate. Like we, we got, we, we were buying a 12-pack of beer at the grocery store. We are both over 21. He was 22. I was 21. We looked so young that even with our Washington State-issued IDs, the cashier turned us away and said, no, these are really great fake IDs. I'm not selling you guys beer. <laughs> so- Man, I like I looked like a little kid. I looked like a t- a teenager at that time. And if you think about that, like she is this older woman 37, 38, 39 years old sleeping with a 23-year-old guy, 24-year-old guy that looked like
2: he was a teenager. That's that's creepy. Like that's weird. Man. It's strange.
0: Like ugh Makes it it's, it's, it's kind of gross, I think, but I didn't see it at that time. I just, I was just like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm just me. But, um, your world shifts like it's a polar shift when, when, when you are handed this child that you helped create
2: and it's, it's earth shaking.
1: I can only imagine how you should have felt being so young and becoming a father when you're not ready for it, but you're trying to do your best to be there for your daughter.
0: Yeah. It, I, I felt scared and proud. Blown away by the natural beauty of, of life. Of, of life, bringing life into the world. Like it, eh uh,
2: uh, it's it's it's
0: a feeling very hard to describe but a beautiful moment like the most one of the most beautiful moments anybody can ever
2: uh, have in their life uh, it's it's um i'll never forget it and you know this overwhelming feeling of responsibility and and a a calling of of really making
0: sure I step up to the plate. You know that that was the feeling I had I, I had got. You know, like I'm responsible, even though I was convinced. Like in in my my guttural instincts, I was. This is somebody I'm responsible for.
2: This is somebody I'm that's now in going to be in this world for a very long time. And I have a responsibility to this person, you know, to this new life and, uh, regardless of this situation and the circumstances that conceived and brought her in to the world, you know, a,
0: a really, a really deep rooted responsibility.
2: You know, I handed,
0: I handed her daughter to her. um, And after I handed her, uh, you know, after I handed her over to my ex, like I, uh, I think I'd, I'd finally had like a, like a, like I started feeling faint. And so I had to sit down and uh, I later on, uh, was sort of told that I was cons- like, that it was kind of weak of me by my mother-in-law that, uh, that I had to sit down after handing or after handing my daughter to her mom. Um, but that's whatever that's later on. But, uh, so we,
2: uh, we're now this like, you know, she's born, we stay in the hospital for a couple days and, um,
0: we uh, go back we go back home and her mom stays for a couple more days and uh for and we this is this is an interesting no even it's it, it's just an interesting thing that happened was we're driving home from the hospital we get to the we get to the house
2: and the house is covered
0: with hundreds and hundreds of crows everywhere. There's crows lining the whole entire fence of the house and they're covering the entire roof of the house. It was, it was a
2: crazy thing to see. And uh, it's just,
0: it's just something really, it was really odd, Uh, I don't know how else to put it. But we walk into the house, bunch of crows fly away, And we, um, we settle in and her mom stays for a couple days and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to work during the day, rushing home at night, um, you know, staying up at night, you know, rocking our daughter back and forth through the evenings while, while my ex can get some sleep, um, taking, you know, taking shifts, you know, shift, taking shifts with her mom um and then her mom left for you know goes back went back down to albuquerque and um and uh at that time too like my ex was uh having she started getting mastitis you know inflammation of you know her breasts were getting hard and inflamed she started running a fever you know a pretty high fever and she started becoming delirious and uh I uh was taking care of her and take, and taking care of our daughter and um um I just I never I'll never forget the feeling of leaving her with 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 our daughter while I ran down to the 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 drugstore to pick up prescriptions for her because she was she was having such a reaction. Her she was delirious, she was speaking incoherently because her temp was so her temperature was so high. And I went down to go get antibiotics. and I just remember feeling like, am I being like, how am I going to handle the situation? She is like not in her state, right state of mind. Um, And going down getting antibiotics, coming back up and just taking and getting her fever down and getting her taken care of. And,
2: uh, um, you know, her mom comes back
0: and, uh, I'm at work. And then the earthquake happens and that shook me and, you know, I'm rushing home to check on them and and then they're all okay. But, uh, you know, April rolls around and we end up, we decide to get, you know, that, that was like, I think it was April 18th was when we decided to get, when we got married and when we got married, she, she said something like I'm doing this for you. And I thought, wow, that's so weird.
2: Why would she say that? Like, it's so weird. But we ended up getting married, um, and uh, you know, she starts.
0: Uh, we end up having. You know, she starts as soon as we got married. A couple of weeks after, she starts getting back to her the old self that she was. You know, she was only able to hold. You know keep this persona of being nice for only a half a year and she gets back to being like mean and and controlling and asking me if you know who who do I talk to at work and who you know who am, am I friends with anybody at work and whatnot and I you know I just said no there's not people I get along with there I just do my job I just go and do my job and And uh, by this time, everybody at her work at back at the paper is realizing what, uh, you know, that I'm the dad and um, we decide to have this. uh, I think, you know, most people understood that I was the dad. And so we decided to have this going away party because she puts in she she. uh, So we do we have this we have this party and, you know, it's now spring. And she tells the paper that she wants that. And, w- and her and I agree to that, we would move to Albuquerque because that's where her family is uh, for help with the baby. And I agreed to it. I figured, okay, well, my family's up in Colorado Move to Albuquerque. I'll go visit my family. Maybe they'll come down and visit. And uh, so we have this party at her house in Seattle. Everybody from the paper comes. A couple of people are surprised to see me there. And they're like, "Oh, what are you doing here?" Um, well, I'm, I'm the dad, and they're, you know, they're stunned. Some people were shocked because of just how the, the age difference. And um, it's also also got a note that when, when her mom would go to Albuquerque and come back up to visit, she would say, "Oh, thank you for taking care of my daughters." Oh, thank you for taking care of, 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 my babies. And, you know, that was her way of starting to push her, That was her way of starting to, to, to convince me little by little that I'm not the family unit. Like I'm, I'm in, in, insignificant
2: to her, my daughter and her daughter. Um, but back to the, you know, the, the
0: party that was going on, we're, we're having this party, everybody's over and Tim, the, you know, Keck, Tim pulls me aside and says, Hey, can I talk to you? And I go, sure. He, he, he kind of puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, how are you doing? And I go, you know, I'm young, I'm I I, I'm I'm of course confused inside, but I'm playing, I'm putting, you know, putting a face on, holding it off, you know, not showing it, trying to not show it. And I say, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. And he goes, No, how are
2: you doing? And I go, I'm doing good, Tim. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. And he goes, You need to take care of yourself. I go, I I do. I go, I will. He goes, you need to, you need to promise me. You will. And I go, of course, Tim. Yeah, man.
0: I promise you I'll take care of myself. He goes, okay. Okay. I just wanted to let you know. I just wanted to tell you that. I go, okay. Yeah, man. No worries. Thank you. And went on life, you know, back to the party, back to life, whatnot. I look back at that moment and. That was, I think, Tim really telling me that I've got to really watch out for myself and watch out what I've got, what situation that I've got myself into. And and I think it was his way of just making sure that I was okay, but also trying to get me to really open up my eyes to what was going on without without saying it, you know? because here he is also like he's the owner of this paper where a sexual assault did happen. And maybe if that was on his mind or not, I don't know, but all he cared about was how I was doing and how, if I was going to really make sure to take care of myself and and make sure that I see what's going on. And I didn't quite at the time. And and I think he was also in a position afraid to say what was you know really going on. But, um, I wish I had taken his. I wish I would have understood what he was saying at that time. You know, if if I would have understood what he was saying at that time, I would have really stepped back and realized that I am being completely controlled and completely manipulated
2: all day, every day, with every aspect of my life, and and I didn't deserve to be
0: put in such a situation. But here I was, and being naive and and small town, you know, and also kind of raised that, like, you know, this is you take you 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 take care of whatever your of whatever you're in, you step up to it no matter what. So that's was kind of my attitude, even if it is bad, you just step up to it. And trust me, I made a lot of mistakes over the years with that kind of mentality, and so I. Uh, Life goes on, we move to Albuquerque and we decide to move into her mom's house. And uh, because, you know, she had a huge house too, they both did sales, you know, like, uh, and they're both really competent salespeople, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, So we we move in and
2: her mom and I start arguing nonstop
0: like it ne- the 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 small little passive aggressive things her mother would say never stopped. Um a lot of them have blocked out over the years, you know. Uh but the one the one memory that that I do hold on to is one when we're all sitting having a talk in the living room and her saying saying that. I'm very fortunate to have married into this family and that I, I, I I should really be thankful for, for her, her daughters and, and, and the just something along those lines
2: of, of, of her and her daughters. Like, and I, you know, I'm sitting down, like we're sitting across from each other. And I, and I go, I go, Is your daughter. V is my daughter. And K and V and me are a separate unit from you. And she came unglued when I said that.
0: Because... That was, you know, that was a complete violation of what she wanted to see happen. You know, what I, what she wanted, what she was trying to do then was she was, she was trying to slowly separate me from, from my ex and my daughter and, and really put, and push me out, which she eventually accomplished, uh, later on. But, um, You know, I would talk to my ex about her mom and she'd be like, that's your relationship with her. I have nothing to do with that. You know, she and by this time, like we we were just like parallel living together, like like in a relationship. It wasn't like it wasn't a relationship based on love or it wasn't a relationship based on like, like this long history of knowing each other. It was this relationship based on like being in this situation that I was manipulated into and so it was all my my world revolved around what her mom wanted and what she wanted and what needed to needed to be done and and i started realizing like
2: i am completely controlled here and i have no way out i love my daughter and
0: this is this is an unhealthy situation like i don't know how many, how i'm going to get out of this and so I decided to, you know, I was 24. I decided to, to join the national guard. And I said, you know what, like I'm, I told my ex, like, I'm, I'm afraid of, of, of being able to provide later on. I, uh, I, I need to work. Um, so her, her nephew, who was only a year younger than me, from her older sister, him and I were talking, and he was he he said, you know, maybe she joined the National Guard like I'm doing. And so I, I said, yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I should. You know, I I didn't tell him that I was wanting to join to maybe get out of the situation I was in, and and still have a and find a position where I could provide for my for my daughter. But it was really, it, really looking back, it was it was it was a way to kind of get out of the situation. And so I went, did my ASVAB. I did all the tests. I passed all of them. Um, you know, I was, I was running every night, uh, you know, and just trying to get myself, you know,
2: physically fit. And, um,
0: I then was, you know, while while doing that, her sister, older sister, um, asked me if I would remodel her, uh, her rental a uh, rental house of hers. And so I said, Yeah. And she she said, well, how much did you make at the paper? And I go, oh, I made $12 an hour at the paper. She goes, she goes, well, I can't pay any more than that. Like it just wouldn't be fair to me. Like and 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 convinces me that to 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 charge 12 bucks an hour to remodel her house. Which coming my from my background, like my my dad was a built homes my brother worked HVAC. Like, my, all, my, my whole family's always been hands-on, skilled labor. And so I, I agreed to remodel her house. And, and then it became a trifecta of control because I was being controlled by my ex. I was being controlled by her mother. And now I was being controlled by
2: her sister. And... The summer went on
0: and yeah, Kathy ends up, or my ex ends up getting pregnant. Like she ends up getting pregnant again. You know, my, my two kids are 13 months apart. And so we, uh, I'm remodeling her house and she's calling me nonstop throughout the day. I I get this cell phone and, um, it ends up, you know, me, me constantly revolving my life around her sister and then her sister wanting to go have lunch together and her sister wanting to go have dinner together. And I'm like, what the hell is this? This is so weird. Like, but I'm just going along with it. Her, uh, her mom and I end up having a fall out. Like we end up just arguing so much that we decide to move out and we then move into her sister's house during this whole remodel. And, um, cause her sister had a huge house and she, and they, they, my ex came from a wealthy family, and so move <clears throat> into her sister's house. My life's revolving around her, revolving around the the, the remodel. I finish it, and I get my papers to um, to uh, when I'm going to get be shipped out. And so I'm under the assumption that I'm under the assumption that that I'm going to be gone for six months. I get my papers. And it turns out that I'm going to be gone for 18
2: months. And I was kind of okay with it
0: um, because I, I needed to provide for my kids. I needed to learn something new and I needed stability. You know, I needed, I needed autonomy outside of being controlled by this family. And, um, you know, her mom would f- fight and argue with me and then send me letters of apology and then argue more and it just was nonstop my ex and i just weren't a cohesive
2: unit and so i end up
0: um uh end up getting my papers she uh she goes to the doctor she she finds out that she has uh ovarian cyst next to the baby in utero so <clears throat> I, uh, she convinces me that, that I need to, that I need to not go and in, go into the, the National Guard. And how dare I even think about leaving her with, um, with this going on and how deadbeat of me to, to, to want to leave. And so, I end up going up the ranks and getting an honorable discharge and never actually going into the National Guard, even though at times with the recruiter, I was helping him recruit people into the National Guard. And even was on when 9-11 happened, even being on the news, you know, talking about 9-11, like I was like this face of trying to like get people to join. I end up I end up not joining by this time, like I've had it, like it was, it's been a year in into dealing like fully in with her and her family. I've now got two kids on one kid born another one on the way. I'm, I'm at a point where I'm just sick of dealing with her family and her family conflict. And I started, I started like being opinionated and speaking out. And you know, I was also kind of a little hot tempered, at that age too. I mean, I was 25, 26 dealing with this, dealing with these people that are like 15, 20 years, 25 years older than me, that are completely in control of my life. And uh, we're having Thanksgiving at her mom's house. Her mom moved out of the house she was in and moved two blocks away from where we were living, which is extremely weird and odd, but happens multiple times throughout the next 20 years. And uh, we're all in in, in her house, uh, you know, for Thanksgiving, and her nephew um, is like making a bunch of noise, and and my ex tells him you know, like, please, can you stop? You know, when the daughter's in in the bedroom sleeping, and he starts talking back to her, she starts talking back to him, they start fighting, and I say I say something really mean um Had had said he was going to commit suicide a year before, and I said, I said something really mean to the fact of like, what are you going to do? Commit suicide? And I, I was low belt. It was under the belt. It was mean
2: and and uncalled for.
0: And it's something him and I talked have about, talked about, you know, and apologized for, and like. Because he he said mean shit too. He, he, he said something like, You're 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 small town white trash hick. Don't tell me anything. Like you can't say anything. Like basically is how he treated me. And um that was like me dropping the atom bomb. Um, you know, because because by this time her mom was telling me that I wanted to destroy the family that that uh that I didn't belong and, you know, and
2: I didn't honestly, but uh,
0: her sister who, you know, we were renting half the house from, she says, you guys need to move out like for what he said to Jarrett. And, you know, family, big, huge family fallout happens from it. We end up moving out. I and you know, we move, move into a small house her mom, her mom ends up, um, being over all the time. And I went and got a job at a collision shop because it's, it was something that I did as a summer job years before.
2: Um, and so I'm
0: doing work that I don't like. Uh, I'm work we're in this relationship that I just in this marriage that it just doesn't seem right. I'm wrapped, you know, I'm controlled by her family and then March rolls around and our son is born. He, uh, this, so he, he's born. And ironically the same thing happens in in that hospital. It's sort of to the same degree with what the nurse said about my, about being, you know, of, of my sister being born. A nurse asked me, does your mom want you in the room?" <laughs> I go, she's not my mom. she's my wife. <laughs> which is really strange. So her son's born. he ends up um uh, having low oxygen, and you know I, I you know I'm there with him, holding the oxygen tube near his nose to keep his, his keep his oxygen levels up. Um, he's in there, you know, we stay in the hospital for a couple of days until we get released and he ends up getting having jaundice and, um, you know, we take him back home, put the lights on him. I'm working during the day, you know, full time by this time, like her and I are rarely ever to add her mom ends up moving up to Bellingham with us. And I end up, you know, remodeling a house for her to live in and remodeling the house that we decide to, to move into. And so we, um, we're living in Bellingham, I'm working, we don't really get along, but we're just, we exist. There's no real love there. And I, you know, I start, and her mom's always having the passive aggressive comments and I think is really realizing that that's that I'm here to stay and that she's not going to be able to chase me away. The people that we rent this house from kind of understand the situation I'm in. And, uh, you know, I became friends with them. This guy named German guy. He, uh, he starts telling me sort of the same thing that Tim was telling me is just, you know, watch out for yourself, take care of yourself. You know, if it's not meant to work out, it's not meant to work out. You know, those sort of things. Just keep going.
1: His advice might have been a good one as I can see how you're struggling with all the moving and getting controlled by your ex and so on. And to add on to that, your ex-mother-in-law is also there tagging along doing the same thing.
0: Basically, with her mom being so close, it's, it's it's, it's like being married to two older women that are very controlling. And just to kind of
2: back it up also, her mom was
0: married four times. My ex-wife was married twice before me. You know, both ended in, in, you know, the last husband of my ex-mother-in-law ended up killing himself two years after the divorce. And that, to me, is also a very significant situation in in my situation. Um, By this time, my son's around 18 months old, Yeah, 17 months old and he's not acting the same. Um he's he's not he's not hitting the markers like a 17th, 17 month old, 18 month old should should hit. And um we go have him looked at, we have him checked out, and then we the word autism starts coming into uh starts coming into the conversation. And so we decide to go have him. Get a diagnosis for autism, and he's diagnosed with
2: autism. And uh,
0: uh it was like hitting, getting hit with just a ton of bricks. The same level of scared that I felt when told that I was going to be a, a a father when she first told me with our first daughter, like. Tales in comparison to being told your son has autism. I I just I I realize that like I've got to, like we got to do everything possible. I decide like like okay,
2: what do we, you know we decide like what do we need to do, like it it
0: it um what do we do right and so we uh start really researching what to do and and you realize that there's everybody out there with all these different autism you know uh sites out there talking you know taka and autism speaks and defeat autism now network and and this biomedical approach and what to do about it
2: and so i it it turns into really like i make as much money as possible to 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 pay for the, the for the um intervention that our son needs and and And, and
0: basically just handle it like a business, like, like we're going to heal his autism. And so being
2: hands-on, I'm working at a collision shop. Like I
0: only know what I know how to do. So I start really figuring out how to make as much money as possible. So I become flat rate at my work you know, basically flag as many hours as possible. I, um, I start taking on as much side work as possible, restoring Vespas and Lambrettas. Um,
2: and I start bringing in over
0: six figures and, uh, start, uh, um, I mean, I just, I just, I'm, I work my ass off. I never, Throughout my twenties, never once did I have more than forty bucks in my pocket, and every every dollar I
2: made, every every like my
0: i all every all my money went towards towards bills and 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 what we needed for our son, and so we decide to put him through uh, defeat autism now biomedical approach. And I look back at that now, and I think that was abuse. I think the whole defeat autism now. Uh, all those biomedical doctors were in it for the money. They weren't in it for for healing kids with autism. They
2: abused thousands of children um, through,
0: you know, chelation and and you know intravenous chelation. I mean, I'll never forget that you know, sitting, going to the doc, going to a, a Dan doctor, him saying that, that my son has autism because of me remodeling the house and the type of work I do. And because I'm bringing in lead and chemicals in my, on my clothes into the household and the house and the house is an older home. So of course it's going to have lead and his body has all this, all these toxins accumulated in his system and he needs intravenous chelation and you know that same same appointment we decide to do the first first bout of chelation you know my son's 20 something months old you know almost at two years and i'll never forget just sitting my son on his on my lap and holding his arms out
2: well they stick needles in his arms Doing this chelation,
0: that I think turn is total bullshit. Even though there's probably some parents out there listening, who will listen to this podcast that will disagree with me, but I think it's bullshit. I think that was abuse,
2: and you know
0: that's the approach we took. So I worked as much as possible to pay the, to to pay for is. It. It all the bills, all the, all the, uh, intervention, my, my ex took him to go get chelation. She, we, we shoved pills down his throat that the doctor was saying that we should do. Um, it was, it was, it was
2: horrific and thousands of other parents and thousands of other kids were, were going through the same thing. Um,
0: And the marriage, like our marriage was, I mean, it was, it wasn't even really a marriage. It was just this, this fractured, uh, yeah, it was a relationship, but, but a relationship that had no grounding. Um, so that was, that was life and life went on like that for a long time. Her mom constantly telling me I never did enough. Um, you know, it, uh, there was always the control, you know, it was always how much I made. Uh, there would be times where, you know, I'd have paychecks where they'd be over 25, $3,000 every two weeks. And on those paychecks, she would be nicer to me. Um, if I made anything less than that, then I'd get treated like shit for the next two weeks. Um, and we ended up deciding to sell the house we sold the house moved into a small apartment and there was really nothing about our relationship. That was, that was even a relationship. It was, it was basically just
2: by, um, you know, it was just, it was, there was no her and I, and I would tell her over the
0: years, you know, that, like listen like there we need to like put some effort into us cause, because because that we you and I need to be be sh- have a foundation we need to be strong and she'd always say there is no you and I
2: there is me and the kids and then there's you and it uh
0: that was so true. I, I didn't really didn't realize my insignificance <clears throat> in the, in, in all of it, you know, like by, and by the, by the time we had moved into that apartment, like it was like my role as a father was seeing my kids in the evenings, hopefully before they went to bed or at least saying, I love you good night before going out into the garage and working on side work. Or staying, you know, or going actually back to work and working on side work.
1: For those who are listening, you might have noticed that I'm awfully quiet for the last like 20, 25 minutes of this episode. That was mainly because I did not want to interfere him while he's talking. And he was already explaining the story in uh, such a way that uh, if I do interfere, he might lose the chain of thoughts. With that said, this is the end of the first of the three part series with Dan. In the next episode, we will talk about his journey through his divorce child custody problems, child support problems, and many other things related to that. I would like to remind everyone that our goal here is to share knowledge with you guys and show that you're not alone in this. With that said, if you need specific legal advice, please get independent advice from a qualified legal practitioner. If you're a minor or if you happen to have difficulties in understanding certain parts within this episode, please approach a responsible adult or someone knowledgeable and ask them for clarification. We have done our best to make sure that it doesn't offend anyone and if you have further questions and comments regarding Find My Parent or this interview, you can always email me at sk at findmyparent.org. If you are someone who got separated from your own parent and would like to find them again, please go to findmyparent.org and fill out your details. With the help of our smart algorithms and matching technology, we hope to help you find your alienated parent again. If you are part of an NGO or even a private company passionate about this topic, please reach out through the contact us page and findmyparent.org and we hope to work together with you. All right, folks, that's it for this week and speak to you next week. Take care. Till then.